Hey, my name is Timothy Pig, lead pastor of Fellowship Church. I want to thank you for listening to Text Driven Podcast. Today, you are listening to one of our weekend messages at Fellowship Church. While we hope that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus, we want to urge you to be part of a local church in your area. This sermon is certainly not a substitute for the encouragement you will receive from going to a local church. If you are living in Southwest Florida, we would love for you to visit us here at Fellowship Church. To find out times and locations, visit our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Text Driven Podcast. Today's episode is a sermon recap uh, from yesterday's message, where at Fellowship Church, uh, we are walking through the book of 1 Corinthians in a sermon series entitled, The Upside Down Church. And we've made it all the way to chapter 12. And in chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the Corinthians' understanding of their biblical gatherings. And he's making sure that when they come together, it is truly them coming together. You know, it's very possible to be in a room and not be together with the other people. And that's really the kind of world that we live in, don't we? Uh, we gather in masses, whether it be at sports games or whether it be at concerts or even in restaurants. That's probably the best picture of this would be in a restaurant. You go to a restaurant, you are in a room with maybe hundreds of people, but you all are in at individual tables. You've all ordered individual meals. You've all ordered individual things to drink. And though you're at the same restaurant, there is no interaction between the tables. We would actually say that it would be uncouth if there was interaction between the different parties at a restaurant. And we would get upset. We would ask for a manager if somebody's behavior was in such a way that it it created an interaction between families at different tables. And the reason for this is if we think about how our culture presents uh, identity, it really presents it in an isolation way. Uh, Often we will think of ourselves as the most important person. We will find ourselves and our preferences being superior to other people's uh, wants, desires, and preferences. And on Sunday, I shared with us how this is just hardwired into our thinking. It's part of our sin nature. You talk to a child. uh, One of the first two words a child will learn is no and mine. Uh, No, uh, they do not want to do what you want them to do. And mine, the sense of ownership, it's mine, not yours. And there's no concept of sharing. It's this selfish, individualized, isolated way of thinking. And that has produced in our world a very me-focused world instead of a we-focused world. I want to give another example of this that I didn't share in the message, but just consider the uh, iPod phenomena that came out in the 2000s. You remember Steve Jobs standing up and he presented that iPod as something that every single person needed. And he did it through his platform of iTunes. Now, what was so revolutionary about the iPod and about iTunes. Well, what was revolutionary about it was it was solely focused on the individual. If you remember, you used to have to go 
to the store and wherever you would buy a CD from and you would go and you would purchase that CD. And on that CD, there would be eight, 10, maybe 12 songs on that CD, on that album. But when Steve Jobs uh, had iTunes and the iPod come onto the scene in uh, the early uh, 21st century with, uh, in the years 2000, when he did that, he changed everything. Now you could pick through their Apple store, through their iTunes store, you could pick the song you actually wanted. You didn't have to waste your money buying an entire CD, but instead you could make the mix you wanted on your iPod that was individualized just for you. You didn't have to worry about any of those other songs that didn't appeal to you. You only could buy what you wanted. That has created a crave in our culture today that is so me-focused, it is so individualized, it is so selfish that there is no regard for any of the other songs, any of the other people, anyone else around us. And that is not what a biblical gathering should look like. Biblical gatherings are about being together. It is a we-focused mentality instead of a me-focused mentality. So the message on Sunday was entitled, A Church of We in a World of Me. And we saw that it is Jesus who makes us a church that is we-focused. And we saw that. In verse 12, all the way through verse 13, the work of Jesus. And we looked at it through the concept of unity compared to diversity. You know, we live in a, we live in a world, because of its individual nature, that sees diversity as a threat to unity. No, what diversity is a threat to is not unity, but uniformity. Because in verse 12, Paul speaks both of diversity and of unity. He actually bookends the whole uh, verse there in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, with dealing with unity. He talks about there being one body. He talks about how the body is one. But in the middle of that, he embraces the individual members of it, the diversity of the body, by saying, uh, as the body has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body. So he, he doesn't say that, that diversity detracts from unity, but instead diversity brings about unity. How does it bring it about? All because of the work of Christ. See, what Jesus did on the cross was it tore down divisions in diversity and allowed for there to be unity in our differences. And that unity comes under our common confession of what Jesus Christ has done. So we had to speak for just a little bit about what has Jesus done. Jesus took us who were once not his people, and he made us his people. He took us who were 
not alive and he made us alive. He took us who were his enemy and now he, we are his friend. He took us who were not his family and now we are his sons and daughters. So though we have so many different things about us, though we have so many different gifts to us, though we have so many different talents and uh, diversities to us, what unifies us is that we have all confessed our sins and we have confessed that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And that's what brings us together. That's how we can be a church of we in a world full of me. And that's why baptism is also so important. Because in verse 13, he speaks about being baptized. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. And look at that. All baptized. Who did that all include? Jews, Greeks, slaves, and free. See, baptism is that outward picture of the inward reality that's occurred. And that inward reality is the gospel. At Fellowship Church, we have a core value, and that core value is the gospel. And we manifest, we, we see that gospel outworking in our church family in this way. We believe that the gospel brings us together and the gospel keeps us together. Now, the way we know that a person has been transformed by the gospel, they have been uh, ha experienced the new birth and they are a new creation, is by the outward sign of baptism. That's what baptism is. It is the Christian's confession that they are a child of God, that they have repented of their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus alone for their salvation. So baptism is integral to a church maintaining its unity. And we talked about really how there are three main components to a biblical baptism. Number one, must have enough water to do baptism by immersion. Number two, the baptizer must baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It must be a Trinitarian baptism. And number three, the baptizee must desire to then confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's why it's important that the baptizee understands that baptism is an announcement of the inward change, the rebirth that's occurred in their life. So, with that as the foundation, we moved the conversation now in, in the sermon to the outworking of this unity in the midst of diversity concept. Because the Corinthian church didn't have that. The Corinthian church was diverse, but they were using their diversity as a means of belittling and berating and, and hurting other members of the church. Some were saying, I, I've, I've got this spiritual gift, I've got that spiritual gift, and I'm better than you, and you're, you must work for me, you must do this, you must do that. And it, it really was a bad situation of elitism. So Paul reaffirms the gospel as, as their foundation of unity, even though they have great diversity in their talents. 
And then he shows the outworking of that by showing that you must value the individuals of the church. And the way that value comes about is through teaching contentment. See, you had a group of people in Corinth that were not satisfied with their place of service. They were upset with God that the place that they had to serve in the church was not the place they wanted to serve, that it was a place uh, not as notable as others. It, it would be like somebody in the church who is a door greeter being jealous that they don't have the opportunity to be the pastor or a person who is a Sunday school teacher is upset that they don't have the title and recognition of a deacon or something and, and they don't have that role and responsibility. So they were not content with that. Now we can understand that feeling, can't we? Because we have all had to do things in our lives that, quite frankly, we would have never picked. We wouldn't want to do. We're not happy with. Uh, maybe you're in a job right now that you don't like and you're not content with that. Maybe you're in a uh, house that you um, don't like and you're not content with that. And maybe you struggle with things of contentment. Maybe you wish you had a better job than the one that you have. Or maybe you wish you had this instead of that. And you really wrestle with contentment. So I shared with you on Sunday really three things you need to pray when struggling with contentment. And the first thing you need to pray is a prayer of confession for being prideful that you know more than God. Now that comes right out of the passage because in verse 18, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So God picked for these Corinthian members to be doing this assignment in the church. So to not be content with it is really to be upset with God that God messed up. So the first thing we need to pray is we need to pray a prayer of confession, confessing to God that we are prideful because we think we know more than him. Second prayer is a prayer of supplication, that God would give us that heart of contentment that he would help us to see that what we're doing is good and what we're doing is what he desires and what we're doing is the place that he has chosen for us to do. Then the third prayer is a prayer of intercession. And this is when we pray asking God to mold the ones who we're serving to be more like his son, Jesus. It's a prayer of intercession. We're praying on behalf of somebody else. And, and friend, I, I really believe that if you will pray these three prayers, a prayer of confession for your pride, a prayer of supplication that God would give you contentment, and a prayer of intercession for those that you serve and those that you're around, you will find yourself to be a content person. So one way we value individuals by helping each and every person to be content in the assignment God's given to them. We also do it through respecting each other. At the very end of the passage, Paul explains that the church is to be caring for one another. 
The Bible says in verse number 25, 1 Corinthians 12, 25, it says, but that the members may have the same care for one another. We should never look at one person as more important than the other, but we should care for each other the same. There should be no favoritism. There should be no special treatment for this group over that group. There should be mutual respect for one another. And how do we do that? How do we have mutual respect for one another? Here's how. When someone in the church is suffering, Paul says in verse 26, we all should suffer. When someone is going through something difficult, we all should rally around that person and help them. Think of it as an athletic competition for just a second. You've got this person who is trained all their life, and they're running the race. And right towards the end, man, they fall down. There's no way they can get to the finish line. They're just going to have to quit. You know what the church should do in that moment? The church should run to that athlete, pick up that athlete, and carry them through the finish line. The agony of training so hard and suffering some type of injury is gruesome. But we as a church should come around that person and we should help them and we should care for them. That's what the Bible means when it means suffer with those who are suffering. But then also those who are rejoicing instead of sitting back and those who are uh, who are given a place of honor we shouldn't sit back and say oh that should have been me up there I should have been received that position of honor no we should be rejoicing for that person genuine glee and happiness and excitement that that person got recognized in serving the Lord this is how we respect one another to put it a different way, when you suffer with those who are suffering and you rejoice with those who have been shown honor, you are loving one another. And that's what it means to gather together. So I hope whether you're part of Fellowship Church or you're part of another congregation, that when you gather together, you will love one another. Thanks so much for listening to this sermon recap from our weekend message at Fellowship Church. If you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, we would love to have you visit us at one of our locations here in Southwest Florida. You can find our times and locations on our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. Also, I want to encourage you to join us February 25th through the 27th for our Great Commission Weekend. It is going to be an incredible weekend. You can go on our website and sign up there. There is a link on the homepage at fellowshipchurch.co. We have some of the best preachers in all of the country coming to Southwest Florida in February for this three-day conference. I hope you'll join us. Uh, at Great Commission Weekend. And until next time, hope you continue to live a text-driven life.